0: Welcome, everybody, to FanDrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, happy Friday to you. I uh, hope you're all looking forward to a, a good, enjoyable weekend, and I am certainly looking forward to this show. Uh, we're going to do as we usually do and uh, go over some of the notable performances from, uh, from the previous day's action, and uh, also we're going to take a look ahead uh, to the slate. We've got a full slate of games tonight, uh, so we'll be... Uh, reviewing that and, and basically zoning in on some of the things that uh, you know would be good to focus on sort of, you know looking ahead which players might actually be able to sort of, you know make a difference in terms of the confidence we can have in them uh, with their performances tonight. Uh, But uh, coming up uh, shortly, we've got John Heyman. Uh, So very excited to have John back on the show. Uh, He's got his inside baseball column on FanRag Sports. And, of course, he's been very busy reporting on the various goings on with the Mets. So when we have uh, John on, we'll certainly be asking him about that um and let's start right there in fact uh probably the biggest news uh certainly uh today is that you know Cespedes I guess not a big surprise given uh yesterday's injury but he has been placed on the 10-day DL with his hamstring injury there have not been MRI results yet Uh, there was a report that Cespedes would be getting an MRI today so nothing there yet and also no new developments on Noah Syndergaard either, so we're uh, you know waiting there, but uh, obviously the situation with Cespedes is much more serious. Uh, and and you know until we have those MRI results, no sense of what the timetable will be for Cespedes. Um, in that same game uh, from yesterday, where Cespedes got hurt against the Braves, Ari Dickey also left early uh, with a left quad spasm. So uh, that's also another one to to look out for. And we have more Dodgers rotation news. Uh, we've talked about uh, on a couple of episodes the possibility of Rich Hill returning uh, when he returns going to the bullpen. So the right now the Dodgers do have a six-man rotation because yesterday Julio Urias was called up. We'll talk about that outing a little bit later on in the show. Alex Wood stayed in the rotation, uh, which was something of a surprise knowing that Urias was coming up. And according to the Orange County Register – for the time being both pitchers are staying in the rotation so they're going to go six man for a while but it is just a temporary situation there with a six-man rotation for the dodgers so somebody will be out and it's not going to be alex wood so that's really i think the notable part of that news item is that alex wood has uh earned more than just a temporary stay in the dodgers rotation i think you know that's uh Probably, I would certainly hope it was obvious or certainly, you know, something that looked like could happen after Wood uh, nearly, uh, I wouldn't say nearly pitched a no-hitter because he, he exited uh, after six innings, but, you know, toyed with it and uh, only gave up the one hit in that outing. So Alex Wood, you know, looking good so far. In the rotation, uh, there is some speculation in that piece from the Orange County Register. Maybe kent Maeda is on the hot seat. So, uh a lot of intrigue still with the Dodgers, even though they've you know, currently made room for, for six starters. And in other Dodger news, uh, Adrian Gonzalez is still dealing with that right forearm tendinitis that was reported during spring training. So he's been trying to play through it. He's never been on the DL in his career, but it is now, according to Dave Roberts, a possibility. Uh, that's all it is at this point, a possibility. So there's no news of Gonzalez going on the DL, but you know, he's had his struggles this year. Could certainly be injury-related. And now with Clay Bellinger up, uh, I think it would be easier to put Gonzalez on the DL. But at this point, again, all that that is is a possibility. Uh, Now, the big news out of Arizona is that uh, Shelby Miller has been diagnosed with a tear in his UCL. Uh, He is still evaluating his options, which obviously include Tommy John surgery. Uh, He was also diagnosed with a flexor strain so uh, you know it would certainly appear that Shelby Miller is going to be out for a long long time maybe for the rest of the season and uh, Archie Bradley has been named as a potential replacement for uh, for Miller in the rotation and that's that's a tricky one you know as a fantasy owner we don't you don't have any control over what uh, Tori was does there with the rotation but you might actually hope Archie Bradley becomes a closer there in arizona so uh that'll be an intriguing situation to watch so anyway lots more news to cover but when we come back we'll be joined by john Heyman. like i said talk about the Mets, talk about teams in seller mode we'll be doing all that in just a few minutes so stick around Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, being the host, that means that uh, I get to have guests. And I'm very, very fortunate today to have John Heyman here from FanRag Sports as our special guest. John, welcome back to the show. Uh, good to be back, Al. Yeah, well, and I appreciate you taking the time out. looks like you've had a busy, busy day uh, in Mets land there, so uh, I assume <laughs> yeah, we're still man. waiting on... Yeah, yeah. The, what uh, I don't even know what can be said at this point. Uh, our, a rough week. Our Huck- it was a
1: really, really rough week, and now they're going to play the Nats. Not exactly the right time, but you know what? If they can take two out of three, I'm sure they'll be thrilled and feel much better about themselves. But yeah, they're going to be concerned about Syndergaard. He's still slated to pitch Sunday, so we will see what happens there. Cespedes obviously has now gone on the DL, and he will be out a while, as we saw from him being taken off the field basically or hobbled off the field um so it's it's a rough situation right now but it is early as they say
0: yeah that's true and uh do we have mri results yet or are those uh still to come
1: perhaps we later today we don't have them but uh you could tell from him being the way he was taken off the field he'd be on the dl and it's not going to be 10 or 11 days it'll be longer than that i mean you know i'd, I'd only be speculating but uh you know it's it's going to be a little while for cesspitus i would think
0: yeah, and I think that uh, seems like a very, very safe assumption to make. Uh, so with is out, uh, you know, the, the, one of the things I really was looking forward to asking you about, and I still am, uh, is what the Mets' outlook is on getting some playing time for Michael Conforto. So you know, in, in an unfortunate way, I think that's been resolved for the short term. But uh, what's the thinking around the Mets uh, in terms of that situation uh, when is does come back?
1: Yeah, well, he's been uh, among the more productive players to this point, so they'd like to get him in the lineup. And certainly now he will be in the lineup. Duda is now going on rehab today, so uh, Duda shouldn't take too much longer. And and when he once he's back, then there's you know uh, an ex the, the, an extra player back, and then we'll, we'll see. But I, I would say the way they've performed so far, Bruce and Conforto have been the ones who've been productive. So I, I would anticipate that Conforto will continue to play if he hits like this.
0: So you think uh, when Duda's healthy and back in lineup, that as long as Bruce produces, that maybe Bruce shifts over to first base if Suspedes uh, is back in the lineup?
1: Uh, well, once Duda comes back, Duda, Duda will be back at first. But for, for now, um, I, I would say uh, that Bruce will get some more time at first base. Um, so, but I do think Conforto needs to stay in that lineup, uh, right? For now, as long as they've got these guys out, and uh, even after that, uh, right now, uh, you know they need production wherever they can get it. So, uh, Conforto needs to play.
0: Uh, is there any movement towards building some additional pitching depth, which is something you wouldn't think the Mets would necessarily need, <laughs> but it, now it, it does seem like a big need? Uh, is there anything going on on that front?
1: Well, I think they're now in the boat with almost everybody else, uh, with the potential exception of maybe Cleveland. There are a couple teams that have rotation depth. Uh, you know, I guess the Dodgers have depth. Um so, uh, you know, I, I, I think they're just in the boat with everybody else. Nobody's trading any pitching depth uh, at this point. So uh, right now they're a little thin. Obviously you've got Mats and Lugo who started out, and now uh, Syndergaard looks like he'll be okay for Sunday, or at least they're hoping that. We'll see. Uh, it's still a question uh, uh, there. So, uh, you know, I don't think they can do anything about that right now. Uh, they got to go with what they've got. There's nobody trading a starting pitcher. It just, it just isn't available
0: uh yeah no that's uh at least not at this point now you know john you recently uh for FanRag wrote your inside baseball piece on potential sellers the sellers market and you uh power ranked 19 teams uh with the white Sox at the top so uh you know maybe it seems uh early to to be thinking about that but you know it, it comes up quickly and certainly you know Fantasy owners want to get ahead of the curve in terms of anticipating who might be selling off. So, uh, starting with the White Sox, uh, what do you think is the likelihood that Quintana gets moved?
1: I think it's pretty likely that uh, Quintana gets moved. He's probably even more likely that Robertson gets moved. But, uh, I, I would say that, uh, there's a good chance that, that both will get moved at some point here. Maybe, maybe not quite this early. Quintana obviously hasn't been his best to this point. They say it's really only been two bad innings. But, uh, I think people would like to see a more uh, consistent performance out of him, uh, before trading away top prospects for him. And that will be the anticipation for the White Sox. And Robertson is, uh, back to with the form they had with the Yankees. I don't know whether uh, the knee was bothering him last year or, or what, but uh, he says he's eaten more salads, I guess, and lost five pounds. He always seemed to be in great shape to me, but I guess every <laughs> every pound helps, as, as it basically all of us uh, listening and, and on the show probably understand. So uh, those those are really their two most valuable pieces, but the way they're starting out, they probably will be able to trade Holland or Shields or Miguel Gonzalez um, as the Shields needs to come back off the DL. But all three of them have shown uh, some good games so far. Uh,
0: you know, well, that's uh, those are some names that we don't hear as much as Quintana. You know, and again, from a fancy perspective, just because they're not as high end. But right. it does, you know, they have to be replaced. So uh, do you think the Sox are looking at bringing up uh, Lucas Giolito or Ronaldo Lopez? Uh, or, you know, is there there's some other plan in place, uh, you know, to to restock that rotation.
1: Yeah, I mean they have very good young pitchers at Triple A, and um, yeah, I, I think they would look at uh, exactly those guys you mentioned: Ulido and Lopez and Fulmer uh, to be in that rotation. They'd like to have a nice young rotation. They're rebuilding, as we know. They've made no bones about it. And those are the guys. Kopech, uh is the guy with the highest ceiling uh, among that group, and uh, he they're determined to keep him in the minors this year. He is at Double A currently, and so we probably see him uh, the following year, but not this year
0: um do you would you know they've uh, got a little bit of a history of bringing up their their top shelf prospects and putting them in a relief role you know they did that with with chris sale of course uh so i was i was very intrigued to hear you say that fulmer would come up as a starter now he's already spent some time in the bullpen uh do you see them possibly doing that with copec uh next year
1: um, yeah, next year, I think he, he, there's a good chance that he will be with the team. Um, and, uh, I think they like to see him as a starter. You always, uh, take your top prospects and hope that they can be starters. And then if need be move them to the pen. So I think they'd like to, uh, potentially have him in the rotation at some point next year. But as I said, Gilito, Lopez, Fulmer, those are guys for this year, potentially. If they trade two or three or four of these guys that are currently on the team, we may see all of these guys except for Kopech. That's next year.
0: All right. All right. Well, uh, you've got the twins second on your list, and you mentioned Irvin Santana, uh, certainly helping his cause in a huge way uh, on the, the market. Um, but Brian Dozier, I mean, he was – reportedly close to being dealt to the Dodgers in the offseason, and of course the Dodgers just went ahead and filled that need with Logan Forsythe, so what does the market for Dozier look like at this point?
1: Yeah, I I think it's probably pretty small. The Dodgers really were the team for Dozier, and that was a little surprising. They weren't able to work it out. The Dodgers went to uh, uh, Forsythe, and now, of course, they brought Utley back as well, and they've got Kiki Hernandez, so uh, I'm not sure what the market is going to be for him. Uh, Santana, the issue had been uh, other teams wanted one uh, of the Twins to pay part of that. Now, that certainly should not be the case, as the Twins have said. Uh, Santana has been the best pitcher in the American League to this point. That contract is, is pretty reasonable uh, considering his performance Uh he, Anyway, I think I mean he's a solid starter. Uh, the way he's performed so far, he's performing like a number one. So you, you, sh- they should be able to get something uh, pretty good for him. And uh, you know, there's seven or eight teams that are really sellers, and uh, there's no question about that. And and you know, of course, some of them have started out okay, but that doesn't mean they're not going to sell when the opportunity arises. And that would include, of course, the Reds and the uh, the Brewers who are off to Pretty good starts in the Rays, so um, you know at least a half dozen teams are in that rebuilding mode. Padres, of course.
0: Yeah, well, you know the Brewers—they've—they've they've been a nice surprise. I mean, I don't think anybody necessarily expects them expects them to really contend this year, but what you know what they've done in a short time. Is is pretty impressive bringing on you know Eric Thames and and you know getting some you know seemingly you know inconsequential uh, pieces like like Hernan Perez uh, who you know who's worked out really well Chase Anderson who's having you know a really nice season so far uh, who now of course Ryan Braun's the big name there but uh, who including Braun do
1: you think could get moved? Well, I I know they'd like to move Matt Garza. I'm not sure they're going to be able to they would have to offset mo- most of that. Um, you know, they were just talking the off season about or the uh, even the spring training about Peralta. He's off to a very nice start, so I know Texas and some other teams have talked about him. They talked about Guerrero with teams uh in the off season. Now he got hurt in his first start, so he's got to get back in pitching uh well, but I mean Braun is is the big name there they were looking at and he becomes a 10-5 guy on May 14th where he is in full control, and my understanding is that uh, he either wants to stay with the Brewers or go to the Dodgers. He's got a list of six now that uh, he can be traded to, but uh, I think at this point uh, the Dodgers are unlikely to make a move, and I don't see the Giants making that kind of a move before May 14th, so it's going to be a 10-5 player almost for sure, and then it'll be either the Dodgers or stay with the Brewers for Braun. Ah, well, that's uh, that'd be interesting if he stayed with the Brewers. You know, again, given given
0: the rebuild mode that they're in, it, it sort of seems like a, a round peg in a square hole. But again, they, they've been, I think, a better team than a lot of people thought. So maybe that, right, that works he, out for them.
1: he's 10-5, it's up to him. And they're not really driving that bus. And I, and they think oh, they would like to trade uh, Ryan Braun. He's a very productive player, I understand that. But uh, they're looking more toward the future than this year. I think it's nice that they got off to a good start. They're very pleased with that. But uh, you know, they've got great players coming, I think. But Lewis Brinson is going to be excellent in the outfield, I think. A hater, a lefty, uh, looks like a left-handed version of Lincecum, maybe. I mean, that might be stretching it a bit, but he, he looks pretty good. They've got some prospects. They've done a nice job there. But I, I still think, realistically, uh, we're looking to the future more than uh, this year for the Milwaukee Brewers.
0: Yeah, well, if Braun does decide to stay, that's, that's a tough situation. Because, like you say, Brinson, you would think they would bring him up sooner than later. And that, that's a very crowded outfield without Lou Brinson.
1: So I'm not sure what the prospects they've got some players in the outfield. They've done a nice job Uh, getting Brinson was a good move uh, from Texas. Uh, I I didn't think that uh, trade initially was was that great for them. But uh, Brinson uh, really has won me over. It looked really good in spring training. Uh, He's going to a guy who's going to need to play. They obviously have uh, other outfield prospects as well, including Brett Phillips. Um, They've got they've got some players, particularly in the outfield.
0: Uh well let's uh, uh hit one more team John that I know uh you you've got a busy day today you got to go we got to go to break in, in about a minute but uh the Reds are another one of the teams that you mentioned Zach Kozart is another player who seemed to be on the verge of being traded uh I was a, a bit surprised to see him start the year with the Reds I figured we'd see a uh Peraza uh uh, oh, boy. And I can't remember the uh, the name of the guy they got from the Mets. Uh, but, uh, you know, young double play combo there. Oh, Dilson uh, Herrera. Thank you very much, Dilson Herrera. No problem. No <laughs> so, uh, this is, John, this is why, why I have you on the show, <laughs> among many other things. Herrera. But, so, yeah, what, what is this?
1: yeah they made they made trades already they've made some good trades and uh they didn't look like they were making they were great trades at the time, but they've become uh, very good trades um, Duval has become a good player I think Shebler has power uh you know they they look a lot better now than they did at the start of the year they've done a nice job Cozart has gotten off to a great start, so he's helped them if they're going to trade him uh, storin is off to a nice start i mean I, obviously he's not going to the nats who still look like they <laughs> might be able to use a closer but he looked good look tradable. I mean even Bronson Arroyo kind of looks tradable the way he's pitched so far. We'll see about that. I mean they may like to keep him around uh you know just for the fans sake and you know he probably isn't that valuable in trade but uh be interesting to think about. Um you know I have even heard maybe if Homer Bailey comes back and shows he's healthy, uh that was a mistake to sign him to a hundred million dollar deal but you know everybody makes a hundred million dollar mistake every now and then and of course you've got scott feldman who's a, a guy who's been uh, he's a stalwart of the uh, trade deadline season he's often on the block and sometimes traded at the deadline
0: well you know a lot of a lot of things to consider there uh, with that team and you know like the brewers maybe a little better than, than people thought but uh, john i know we got to go So uh, make sure to check out uh, Inside Baseball, John Heyman's column on FanRag Sports. John, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. All right. Good talking to you, Al. All right. Yeah, take care, John. All right. Well, we will be back in just a couple of moments with more news and some standouts from Thursday's action. back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior, and many, many thanks to John Heyman for joining us for the last segment. Uh, great stuff on uh, some potential uh, sellers uh, for the trade market down the road and what some of the fantasy fallout might be from that. So uh, always great to have John on the show. Uh, we do have a few news items uh, to catch up on, but before we do... Quick word about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play. And listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincott on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or Jake Seely while you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. All righty. Uh, so, some Yankees news. Didi Gregorius is back. He has been activated from the DL. He's been out with uh, his shoulder injury. And good news for Gary Sanchez as well. He will start a rehab assignment on Tuesday. And, of course, he has been out with a strained biceps. So very good news uh, for Gary Sanchez and his fantasy owners. Uh, Hopefully Sanchez back very, very soon. Uh, We saw last night Bud Norris get another save. Uh, I'm sure you Had that uh, in your uh, your preseason predictions, right? Uh, Well, Cam Bedrosian uh, he's uh, still not started a throwing program, so Norris may be uh, getting comfortable in that closer's role for the Angels for quite a while. So Cam Bedrosian still no throwing program. And report from Dennis Lynn of the San Diego Union-Tribune that uh, the Padres uh, are going to have a private workout with uh, Cuban outfielder Luis Robert. And it was originally scheduled for today, that is Friday, but it has been rescheduled for next Tuesday. So uh, that concludes the news for now. But uh, let's take a quick look at the weather uh, around the major leagues for The uh, full night slate that we have. And for the most part, looks worry-free in terms of any players that you might be uh, thinking about. uh, Worrying about them uh, having a delay or even a cancellation. The Reds at the Cardinals. That's the one game that you probably need to keep an eye on. 23% chance of precipitation. Although, the precipitation chance is actually greater before game time. And then after what would be the likely end time. So it looks like it could just be a a truly a full slate of games tonight. Uh, So good news there. We uh, have a bunch uh, of lineups in already, which is good news. Cubs at the Red Sox. So uh, we've got Jake Arrieta facing off against Drew Pomeranz, and you've got the DH there in Chicago. So uh, you get to have Ben Zobrist and Javier Baez in the lineup. And the center fielder du jour, Albert Elmora. So uh, there's your your Cubs lineup, and uh, we've got the Rays, Pirates, Marlins, Indians, and Mariners in as well, if you uh, need to check up on those for your daily lineups. Uh, But let's uh, take a look at some of the notable performances. Uh, I don't think we'll get to all these before we have to break again, but uh, I do want to start with probably far from the one, that caught your attention the most last night because there were some great ace performances. Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, um, Taiwan Walker had a very impressive start. But um, Jeremy, Jeremy Hawkson's the one that actually really caught my attention because it was strange. And strange in a way that that pretty much all of his starts have been strange. Six innings, just one run allowed for Hawkson, seven hits, no walks, and one strikeout. So Helixson now is 4-0 with a 1.80 ERA. Uh, and if I could have had uh, John Heyman on a little longer, might have asked him about the Philly situation because uh, Helixson certainly, uh, much like Irvin Santana, increasing his trade value by the start. But uh, no strikeouts for Helixson virtually. 3.3 Ks per nine. He's also kind of going the Ivan Novel route with not walking anybody. But um, – not much hard contact. That's how Helixson's pretty much getting it done. Uh, 25% hard contact rate, which corresponds nicely with an 85.8 mile per hour average exit velocity for Helixson. So whether or not he can keep this up for more than a month, and of course it hasn't even been a full month yet, that remains to be seen for Helixson. I, you know, It makes him, no matter how good he is, no matter how long Helixson keeps this up, it doesn't really make him too fantasy relevant. Particularly in roto leagues, unless he's got a two start week, and even then, you're talking about between two starts, maybe Helixson gets six or seven strikeouts, which I guess you know, you certainly you would take that if everything else is as good as it has been. Uh, I've been starting Helixson in a points league, and actually he's been plenty productive because he goes deep into games, and, and the ratios are all really good. So even in this version, Jeremy Helixson does have some some mixed league fantasy value. But yeah, let's uh, get on to a few of those. Ace performances, Justin Verlander, after giving up 13 runs over his last two starts, encompassing nine innings. So a couple of rough ones for Justin Verlander. uh, Certainly settled our nerves with this performance. Seven innings, one run, none earned on five hits and two walks with eight strikeouts against the Mariners. And the Mariners, uh, for all the struggles that they've had this year, you know, the injury issues, uh, they've been pretty tough on right-handers. So that is a very encouraging start for Justin Verlander. And then I also mentioned Corey Kluber. Nice performance for him. He did allow three runs, uh, but it's over seven innings on eight hits and four walks. That one's a little bit unusual. And actually Verlander and Kluber have been walking a few more batters than we're accustomed to. But he got uh, 10 strikeouts against the Astros. And these are not the old Astros that struck out all the time. These are the Astros that have Josh Reddick and Nori Aoki and Yuli Gurriel, none of whom really strike out. (laughs) So very, very impressive performance on the whole from Corey Kluber. And that's back-to-back good starts now. He had a complete game shutout against the White Sox in his most recent start before this. Um, Much tougher uh, degree of difficulty this time with the Astros um so anyhow looking ahead uh many many more uh, ace type performances to uh to look into we had a couple of them in the uh Red Sox Yankees game uh from last night Masahiro Tanaka and uh Chris Sale Chris Sale you know by by fantasy standards probably had the you know the more uh Desirable start, I guess you could say. Eight innings with 10 strikeouts and no walks. Did allow two earned runs, three runs total on eight hits. Um, So in a sense, not as immaculate as the three-hit shutout that was twirled by Masahiro Tanaka. But, you know, you got to love the 10Ks from Chris Allen. He's He's just been racking up strikeouts this year. And if you recall last year early on, he was surprisingly short on strikeouts, so that's that's a distant memory now for Chris Sale. Tanaka, I think, is is probably the more interesting case from fantasy perspective because he's you know, been for the most part very effective, but um, you know just not really big on the strikeouts. Only three against the Red Sox, and granted, they don't strike out a lot, but only six point six Ks per nine on the year. And and Tanaka's M O for at least the last couple of years has been getting a lot of strikes, so. That might sound like a good thing, um, or I should say, getting a lot of swings, and that might sound like a good thing. But it also means that there's not a lot of called strikes, and that sometimes can actually uh, really put a damper on the strikeout rate. But you know, Tanaka getting it done, and certainly getting it done in a more fancy, relevant way than um, you know Jeremy Hellickson has. So not to, to overstate the case here with Tanaka. So, anyways. Those are just a few of the more noteworthy pitching performances. We'll uh, tackle a few more after the break, look at some hitters. So stick around, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thanks for sticking around, and we'll make it worth your while because uh, we got lots more standout performances to talk about. And then we're going to be a little forward-looking and take a look at tonight's slate because I think there are several pitching performances, not just to look back on, but to look forward to some pitchers who, for me, are sort of on the bubble, and I think they could show us something uh, with their starts tonight. But that'll be a bit later on. Let's, again... Turn our focus back to Thursday. Uh, Lots of uh, noteworthy performances, mostly good ones, including the season debut from Julio Urias. Five and two-thirds innings, four hits around, and just one run. Four walks, which was not terrific, but four strikeouts at the Giants. So I think overall you have to say pretty good performance from Urias uh, first time around, and of course, uh, you know, his innings have been managed uh, up to this point. And, uh, but uh, you know, the big news is that both he and Alex Wood are going to stick around in the rotation for a while. Um, so uh, if you don't have uh, Urias uh, rostered somewhere in your league, I think now's a really good time to pick him up before he maybe posts another good start or two. And it uh, doesn't appear he is going anywhere. That was opposite number for the Giants. Matt Moore had another really good start. But, you know, in terms of looking ahead at a matchup and thinking, okay, if this pitcher does well or doesn't do well, this really says something. This was one of those starts for Matt Moore where. I don't think it gets any friendlier for a pitcher. Uh, A home start at AT AT&T Park, where Moore has been very good, very consistently since joining the Giants last year. He has a career 3.12 ERA at AT AT&T Park. Uh, So he's been good there. And then he's facing the Dodgers, who just about every lefty uh, seems to look like Clayton Kershaw against. So... Uh, Moore pretty much did have uh, something like a Kershaw-like performance. Seven innings, just two hits allowed, just one run, three walks, but eight strikeouts for Moore. So that just may be as good as it gets for Matt Moore. And again, that's not to knock him. That's just to say that's a dream matchup in a dream venue uh, in a place where Moore has already demonstrated a lot of success. So uh, from a fancy perspective, I think it's status quo. You don't take this as a sign that you know uh, Moore is somebody that you you plop back in your lineup uh, or your rotation rather every week. Uh, but you look at is he pitching at home? That's a key. And if he's not at home, at least is he someplace uh, where you know he can keep the ball in the yard, like like Bush Stadium or Marlins Park, someplace like that. Um, and then you know what's how does the opponent do against lefty? So you certainly. More of somebody you certainly play the matchups and the splits with. Taiwan Walker. Uh, now, the ERA might not look like anything special. It certainly didn't look like anything special heading into this game against the Padres. And again, this is one where you might say, is it the matchup or is it the pitcher? Because uh, the Padres have made a lot of pitchers look great. Remember last week, Dan Straley, those 14 strikeouts. And I like Straley, um, but I don't see him as a double-digit strikeout guy other than Once in a great, great while. Uh, Walker with 11 Ks against the Padres. Eight innings, four hits, two runs, no walks. And his ERA is now a bit more respectable at 3.94. I think he's been cheated a bit, though. His XFIP is uh, 6.6 points lower than that at 3.34. Because he's uh, not stranded a whole lot of runners. I mean, it's not a crazy low strand rate like you see... Early on uh, this time of year with a lot of pitchers, but 69%, you know, whereas a normal one would probably be right around, say, 74. Uh, you know, that that's uh, low enough to make a little bit of a difference in Walker's ERA. And I just if you look at what Walker's done peripherally, I don't think this is the matchup. I think this is the pitcher. Walker's been really good with control again this year. he's getting the strikeouts the the home runs have not been the problem to the uh, extent that they were with the Mariners, so uh, I think maybe the uh, you know, procedure that Walker had on on his foot and ankle really made a big difference. Uh, we could certainly attribute to to that, but you know the potential's been there for Walker all along so he's despite what the ERA says, I think Walker will realize it. Um, I think the window maybe right now for buying low on Walker after the start maybe it's closed a bit maybe it's even shut. But bear in mind that next week, if the A's go four-man in the rotation um, with Shelby Miller out, and they can afford to do that for the next turn, um, Walker probably gets two starts next week, and the second one would be at Colorado. So <laughs> it's a perverse thing, uh, you know. We don't want pitchers to. To stink, but you know if we want to buy low on somebody and we don't already own Walker. maybe uh, a meltdown, of course wouldn't be such a bad thing altogether, but anyway, I think Walker is certainly worth owning, and if you can still uh you know either buy trade or picking him up, uh, I think it's certainly worthwhile. Kendall graveman, uh, another nice outing this is first one off of the dL, six innings, six hits, two runs, no walks, four strikeouts uh, at the Angels. Now, he did not. He actually took the loss in this game, but um, you know, I, I was pretty high on Grayman for a while. But really, taking a deeper look, uh, I think that this is in a way, some ways opposite of, of Taiwan Walker. That he's got the low ERA, but he's stranded ninety-one percent of his base runners, so that's ultra, ultra high. Uh, and he's got a two thirty-nine BABIP. And in this start against the Angels, just two swings and misses. And granted, they're not a huge strikeout team, but that's a little extreme. And you say, okay, but Graveman's a ground ball pitcher. Next best thing, right? Well, he only got six ground balls in the start, and he's really not been getting a lot of grounders this season. So if you've got Graveman, I'd say just the opposite with Walker. Uh, it's, it's a great time to sell Kendall Graveman. As I mentioned earlier, but Norris uh, got the save for the Angels this, in this game. Ricky Nolasco started it. Uh, if you want to know more about Bud Norris, uh, my colleague Greg Jewett uh, has written the waiver Wire column, the latest one for FanRag uh, Fan Sports. And uh, among several players that are widely available, uh, Norris is one that he, he writes about. So check that out. And uh, just a few more starts to mention while I make sure we get to some of the hitters. Gio Gonzalez, another nice start. He's down to one one point six two ERA, six and two thirds, seven hits, two runs, three walks, and five Ks at Colorado. There's the key part. Uh, nice outing at Coors Field there for Gio Gonzalez. You know, whereas uh, the Nationals have just been lighting up the scoreboard, as you would expect. I mean, that team was hitting like crazy before they got to Colorado. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's righties, lefties. You know, where it is. Uh, Nationals offense is just uh, hot. Uh, They scored 16 runs in this game. Uh, Antonio Sensatella actually did not have a terrible start, uh, although certainly not one of his better ones. But uh, Gio Gonzalez, even better. But uh, much like Kendall Graveman, very, very high strand rate, 89%. And the peripherals are okay for for Gonzalez, I would say, better than Graveman's. But maybe a sell-high candidate there, especially after a really good performance at Coors Field. Here's one I mentioned on the show yesterday, while uh, the, the the game was in progress during the show. Matt Latos six scoreless innings at the Cardinals in the uh, first uh, game of a doubleheader, three hits, four walks, four strikeouts for Latos. Um, I, I have to say, not getting too excited about this one. You know, we haven't seen a lot from Latos this year, but the peripherals not super imp- impressive. But you know, we'll we'll hold judgment on that. Uh, because that's that's a nice start uh, from Latos against Cardinals, and so after all these good starts, I do have to throw in one clunker. Matt Harvey, the, uh, you know, with all the talk about the Mets that we've done on this show already and, and yesterday's show as well, uh, you know, everybody's aware that Harvey not a good start uh, filling in literally last minute for Noah Syndergaard, four and a third innings, five hits, six runs, five walks. And one strikeout there, you know, there's the concerning part, five blocks and one strikeout um, for Harvey. Now, in his previous start, he only got two strikeouts. That was against the Nationals, who I just touted as this super hot offense. So you can read it a couple of ways that while well, Harvey claimed that he wasn't really ready to make this start and he was tight from from lifting weights the, the day before, Um You know, maybe it's not that maybe, uh, you know, maybe Harvey is uh, having a bump in the road coming back from the uh, thoracic outlet surgery. So uh, that's a situation we definitely do need to watch. And I I, for the time being, I would I would bench Matt Harvey. Maybe it was just him not being prepared for this one start, but I would play it safe with Matt Harvey. And uh, from the hitter side, a number of noteworthy performances as well. Um, Chris Owings, I would say, the most noteworthy one because he hit two home runs against the Angels, both off of Jared Weaver. Again, is it the matchup or is it the hitter? <laughs> two home runs off of Weaver. He does have four home runs on the season. Uh, so two for three with the walk. So Owings is now hitting three twenty-five on the year. In addition to the four home runs, six stolen bases. Both are are a pleasant surprise, the home runs and the stolen bases, and maybe the home runs, again, you dismiss because he hit two of those off of Jared Weaver. But I wasn't quite sure how aggressive the Diamondbacks would be this year in terms of a base-stealing team because the last two years under Chip Hale, they were very aggressive. But Torrey Lavillo seems to be carrying that uh, approach forward, so that's great news for Owings because he'll give you steals, and that alone gives him some value. But that 325 batting average, I don't think it's all fluke because he's getting a lot of infield hits. And again, that comes from the speed. Uh, he, he sprays the ball around pretty well. And a lot of line drives. So he's got a 30% rate this year, which is superb. But that's not really too far out of line with his career numbers, uh, which right now it's a 25% career rate. Um, but again, you know, it's 30% versus 25 That might sound like a big difference, but... It's a small sample, so basically, he you know came into the season I think with about a twenty four percent rate. So that that's the sort of hitter Owens is. I think he does have some potential for batting average, and you put that on top of the steals, and uh, I think he's absolutely viable as a middle infielder in a, a standard mixed roto league. Mac Carpenter with a big game. Uh, now, the, of course, the. The Cardinals played two yesterday against the Blue Jays, but the first one was the big one. He went two for five with a walk-off grand slam, and that one, that was his third home run in the year of the year. But after the nightcap, Carpenter still had just a .238 batting average, and his hard contact rate has really regressed this year down to 30%, which is pretty average. So I have a little bit of concern for Matt Carpenter. I wouldn't bench him just yet, but um, the slow start, maybe there is a little something to that. And also in that first game between the uh, Blue Jays and the Cardinals, Roberto Ozuna blew his third save of the season, uh, and his velocity in this particular game was down a couple ticks from where he is normally, 93 miles an hour. So there's a concern there for Roberto Ozuna for sure. Uh, Also in the second game of that doubleheader, Dexter Fowler uh, was the star of that one. Three for four with a home run and a walk. Uh, off to a really really slow start this year but Fowler slowly bring that bat- batting average back up it's now up to 224 that was his third home run of the season but Fowler is not he's got a low OBP, and it's not just because the batting average is low he's not walking all that much either pretty average walk rate and that's that's the one thing you figure Fowler he's gonna lead off he's gonna get on base a ton maybe give you 15 20 steals um, but he's gonna you know, he's gonna get on base and score a ton of runs. And he's got a 271 BABIP, which does seem fluky low for Fowler, um, but he is chasing a lot of pitches, uh, both in and out of the zone. So, um, you know, I don't know how that's going to bode for him long term. It's early. We see all sorts of weird things with uh, walk rate spiking, dipping in the first month, and then players right themselves. I tend to think that Fowler will. I'm not sure what's behind this aggressive approach for him but this is somebody who has such a long-standing consistent record of getting on base that uh, I have to think that, that it'll correct itself and, and might even present a buy-low opportunity for Fowler right now, although certainly that game last night did not help that. Uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, off to a, a, a great start, batting three forty-two. You went 3-for-4 against the Astros. But, sure, maybe you expected Jose Ramirez to hit for average, But here's the the wrinkle with him. I mean, he's actually really a pretty different hitter so far. The fly ball rate for him is is up substantially. Hard contact rate is up substantially. Um, And he's not pulling the ball as much. So in a way, it's everything you want to see from a player who already broke out last year going next level this year. So Ramirez already has five home runs. Didn't hit one in that game against the Astros, but uh, you know, bolstered a batting average that was already pretty high. So uh, if you own Jose Ramirez, uh, congratulations. Uh, and again, just as we said with Fowler, with the, on the negative side, maybe uh, you know, maybe that's something that corrects itself. But uh, at least early on, it looks like Jose Ramirez is having a second breakout in two years. Pretty amazing. Anyway, stick around with us as I promised. We're gonna look forward uh, to some of the matchups tonight and see what that might mean fantasy wise. So stick with us, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Uh, Just a few quick news and lineup items to hit here. Nelson Cruz scratched with a hamstring cramp. Uh, David Freeze out again in the uh, Pirates lineup, and so Gift and Gope gets a start at second base with Josh Harrison sliding over to third. Uh, Marlins lineup is out, no D Gordon. You've got uh, J T Realmuto leading off and Derek Dietrich playing second base, and in the Indians lineup, no Michael Brantley. So, uh, anyways, just a. Uh, few quick notes there. But as promised, I want to preview some of these games uh, in terms of the pitching matchups. And one in particular, the Tigers versus the White Sox. You've got the uh, Tigers... Uh, fifth starter of the past versus the fifth starter of the, of the present. Uh, Pelfrey, Mike Pelfrey going for the White Sox, Matt Boyd going for the Tigers. And, you know, this is a, a very, very good matchup for Boyd. Uh, granted, the White Sox hit lefties a little better than they hit righties. But a real test for Boyd, who has really looked nothing like he did in spring training. And, and I think he's a good cautionary, trail for the fe- uh, cautionary tale for the future, not to take those spring numbers too, too seriously, because Boyd walked one batter, all of spring training and control's been a real issue for Boyd again. Uh also gave up more or allowed more ground balls in the spring. He's back to being a fly ball pitcher, but you know, let's see if, if uh he can master uh a matchup against the White Sox. Uh, another lefty going. I'm I'm really interested to see uh tonight Ariel Miranda versus the Indians, which sounds like a tough matchup, you know, the Indians obviously good offensive team. But um they haven't hit lefties for that much power. Uh you know it's, it's hard to get them to strike out but they don't they haven't been hitting lefties for that much power and that's the the Achilles heel for Ariel Miranda. If he can keep the ball in the park as you remember last September when he was a real standout for the Mariners, uh you know Miranda was really good. So it'd be interesting to see if he can do that in a matchup that I think is more favorable than it might look. And uh finally Tyler Skaggs Facing the Rangers again, he's already faced them once this year, didn't go especially well. Um, and it, on the face of it, looks like a bad matchup for Skaggs, who really relies on freezing up batters. And the Rangers are a very aggressive hitting team. Um, but you know, by the same token, uh, Skaggs has done well, in, you know, in some other starts, uh, you know, where the matchup didn't appear that favorable. So uh, you know, this will be kind of a, a you know, not not ultimate proof or anything, but a little bit of evidence to see maybe that previous start against the Rangers was a little bit of a bad fluke for, uh, for Tyler Skaggs because for the most part this year, he's, he's been really, you know, pretty good for fancy purposes, close to a strikeout per inning. Um, and again, a lot of that owed to uh, the high called strike rate, um, you know, so Pretty good peripherals there for Tyler Skag. so I'm I'm really interested in. With Nick Martinez going for the Rangers, I think he's the superior starter. Maybe he picks up a win there. So, anyway, have fun watching those games tonight. Uh, good luck to you in fantasy, and we will be back on Sunday. And I'll have Bernie Pleskoff from uh, from FanRag Sports guesting with me on Sunday. So please join us. That's at noon Eastern. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thank